The sounds that you just heard are sounds synonymous with the day in the life of an American firefighter. We take a look at America's Bravest in this episode. I'm Chris Casey, and this is Sea to Shining Sea. Hello and welcome back. I'm Chris Casey, the host of Sea to Shining Sea. And in this episode, we will talk about the American firefighter, a true American hero. So many things that this episode is one I've wanted to do since I started this podcast in November of 2018. And I'd like to, before I get started, thank each and every one of you. Uh, we're well over 430 downloads now. And uh, every time somebody downloads, tell your friends, tell your neighbors. Uh, again, uh, the American firefighter are truly superheroes that we have in our midst. Maybe you know one. I know I do. <laughs> Yours truly spent 10 years wearing a uniform, serving the wonderful department in uh, West Burlington, Iowa, the, my home department, the West Burlington Fire Department. Uh, if you want to reach out to me, c to shining c 2019 at gmail.com, or I'm on Twitter at ChrisCasey71. I'd love to hear from, uh, from anyone that listens out there that would, you know, have any suggestions or if you have a story to share, if, if there's something that I, I bring up that you'd like me to talk about, I'd love to hear from you. Again, the American Firefighter. Why is this so special to me? Well, it's like a brotherhood. About 25 years ago, so that tells you about the time that I served, uh, 1996 to 2006 for the great city of West Burlington, I met two friends that I still have today, 25 plus years later. I'm a shout out to my friends, Wags and uh, Darren. Friend Wags is actually a career chief and he's about ready to retire. So we're going to have a big shindig for him whenever that happens. So he's been in the business for his entire career. One thing about being a firefighter, and that's kind of the insight. Uh, I'm going to go over the segments I'm going to put here today. One thing, being a firefighter, once a firefighter, always a firefighter. You spend time fighting the fire, rescuing people, uh, helping with medical emergencies, all those things. Um, that sticks with you for the rest of your life. It really does. So our segments here today, I'm going to do a brief history of firefighting in the United States, kind of give you some numbers that I found, a little bit about my career, my background, uh, where I came from, and also course, you know, we're going to do a public service announcement. And then uh, I'll give you a couple stories. One, it, uh, it made me realize what I wanted to do. And then the other one, uh, kind of a funny story, you know, got to be lighthearted here at Sea to Shining Sea. I would like to dedicate this episode to anyone who's ever served volunteer career in any sort of capacity. And also a uh, special 
tribute to those who've given their their lives in the line of duty. My department has had three of those uh, folks perish in the line of duty. And uh, a, a special shout out to to the time that I was a firefighter. Three hundred and forty three souls that were lost in nine eleven. Long ago now, uh, but that was that was an interesting time to be a firefighter. Here we go, the American firefighter. Let's go. Just kind of a little background on the history of firefighting in the United States of America. In 1631, Boston's governor, John Winthrop, he outlawed wooden chimneys and thatched roofs. Hmm. And in 1648, the New Amsterdam governor, Peter Stuyvesant, appointed four men to act as fire wardens. They were empowered to inspect all chimneys and find any violators of the rules. Uh, The city would later appoint eight prominent citizens to the rattle watch. These men volunteered to patrol the streets at night carrying large wooden rattles. If a fire was seen, the men spun the rattles, then directed responding citizens to form bucket brigades. This is well before engines, guys. Well before hose lines. Uh, On January 27th of 1678, the first engine company went into service with its captain, Thomas Atkins. And in 1736, most people know this, Benjamin Franklin, yes, Ben Franklin, established the Union Fire Company in Philadelphia. The United States itself did not have government-run fire departments until around the time of the Civil War. Uh, Prior to this time, though, private fire brigades competed with one another uh, to be the first to respond to a fire because... Insurance companies, hmm, interesting that our our brotherhood goes back to insurance companies. They paid brigades to save buildings. Underwriters also employed their own salvage corps in some cities. The first known female firefighter took her place with the men on drag ropes during the blizzard of 1818 and, and pulled a pumper to the fire through deep snow. On April 1st of 1853, in Cincinnati, Ohio, the first professional fire department made up of 100% full-time employees. That's interesting. Cincinnati, the first 100% full-time city fire department. Taking a look at some numbers. Now that you kind of know a little bit about the history, um, you know, there are thousands and thousands of fire departments throughout the, the United States. Uh, the NFPA, and this is on their website, estimates there are uh, there an estimated 1,115,000 career and volunteer firefighters in the United States. And this number as of 2018, so it's a little dated, so it might even be more now. Of the total number of firefighters, 370,000 were career firefighters. 745,000 are volunteers. And look at that. 67% of the firefighters in America are volunteer and 33% are career. Uh, In 2018, 93,700 were female. And of the career firefighters, 15,200 were female firefighters. There were 78,500 volunteer firefighters who were female, which is 11% of the number of total volunteer firefighters. I find that awesome and wonderful. 50, 5-0% of firefighters are between 30 and 49 years old. Well, I guess I could still be in the game then. <laughs> oh, no. No, it's a young man's game, trust me. There were 29,705 fire departments in the United States in 2018. 29,000, guys. Uh, of these, 18% were all career and mostly career departments protected 68% of the U.S. population. Nationwide, 38% of the fire departments provided no EMS. 
your ambulance service, your medic service. 45% provided basic life support, which we called BLS, um, and 17% provided advanced life support, which is ALS, which is usually your ambulance. So just some numbers, kind of throw that out. That's kind of crazy. How many volunteer firefighters? 67% between almost 750,000 volunteer firefighters. And I have to applaud each one of those volunteer firefighters because you'll be sitting down, and, and this is, I'm kind of going into my time as a volunteer firefighter. You'd be sitting down, eating dinner, and the pager goes off. <laughs> so those of you out there who were volunteers, uh, in my time, it was a pager. I don't know if it's a text or a phone call now or what it is, but uh, we always had pagers on our hip. And if the if the pager rang, we we hit the, uh, hit the street, headed to the fire station, pull up in our car, usually had a blue light flashing, print into the firehouse, throw on your bunker gear, get on the truck and go. Now we were still in trucks that had, uh, they were not enclosed cabs like all the fire trucks you see now. Yeah, we had to sit on a back bench outside and I grew up in the Midwest, so it was very, very, very cold at times. So, uh, but we did it for for taking care of the community. It's like the ultimate community community volunteer uh, serving on a fire department is is not only I, I would call it fun, but it's very rewarding, and it's like the ultimate commitment to make to your community. Like I said, you make friends for life. Uh, my time in the fire service is sometime I'll never forget. I equal it to my time in the Air Force, uh, making lifelong friends, learning skills and things that you never thought you could do. From saving people, uh, whether it be from a car accident, extricating them from a, a crashed vehicle, consoling them in a time of need, uh, seeing things you might not see on a daily basis. Um, uh, it, it is just a, a time that I'll cherish for the rest of my life. You know, I have a little scrapbook. <laughs> I could talk to any of my old fire buddy friends and it's like it was yesterday that we did it. So that's what makes this episode so special to me. And I just wanted to share with you how special your firefighters in America are. So as I mentioned uh, a little bit about the things you do. So as a firefighter, not only are you sitting there with the pager, you train. You train like crazy. Uh, every two weeks, maybe every week, you have some sort of drill. I know those career firefighters train every shift. Um, it's constantly, constantly training uh, because you are saving people's lives. You were expected to save lives as best as you can. You're expected to protect people. So one thing that every department, whether it's the smallest, little, 10-man fire department in a small town or a thousand-member department in a big city, they are always training. We're not just sitting around eating donuts or pizza, watching TV with our feet up on the table, but not saying that that doesn't happen, but for every every time that we do that, we we really bust our tail to, uh, to know what we're doing when we get out there so you don't have to worry and we could take care of you. Um, truthfully, and everybody who puts on a uniform puts on that bunker gear, climbs on a rig, drives the rig and runs the pump, attacks the fire with a hose line. Every one of them is there because they want to be. Thank you for letting me bring this to you today. One thing before we go into my stories, <laughs> the stories I have, I would like to encourage those of you who are listening, if you have not served on a fire department, if you have not served your community, consider it. If you're younger, if you're in that uh, 30 to 49-year-old age range, you really, really want to help your community, I'm going to guarantee you, if you get into the fire service, you are going to love it. Um, the reason I, I stopped after 10 years, otherwise I'd still be serving, uh, is I had two two beautiful daughters that I wanted to uh, spend more time with. They got to be early teen, teenagers. I was coaching softball, those kind of things. And I that was more important to me 
as instead of volunteering. Life's decisions, right? Once a firefighter, always a firefighter. So please consider that. Look out to your local fire department. Uh, see if you can help them. And I'll tell you what, firefighters love food. So if you have extra food, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, get to know your local firehouse. Um, they're there. They're putting their lives on their line every day. If, if you can volunteer for them, uh, volunteer in the community. If they have a fundraiser, whether it be a barbecue, a chili supper, a pancake breakfast. Oh, I've hosted many a pancake breakfast. And I'll tell you, those are a blast. If this is something that you have been called to do, you will not regret it. So there we go. I'm off my pedestal. <laughs> but I would encourage anybody that has any inkling or any any want to get into the fire service, you're needed. Absolutely needed. And it could lead to other doors like EMS. Or, you know, those are another, those are our angels. The paramedics, my little brother <laughs> and one of my best friends are both paramedics. Actually, it was a bit of a family affair. My brother uh, was a, a volunteer and a career firefighter. We, we had a bit of a... Uh, a family tradition there. Uh, he is now a paramedic instructor. Shout out to my little brother, John. All right, guys. Now I'm going to go into a couple stories. Really want to share uh, my first ever fire. So my first ever fire, it was 1996, 97 time frame. And we had a nine apartment house. Like it was an old, uh, I would say 1920s, 1930s, huge apartment house. I think it was three or four levels. And they wanted to, you know, most fire departments in your community are going to have structures that are being torn down. And the fire department usually will ask, can we use it for training? Well, that's what happened here. And we invited every department in probably a 50 mile radius uh, to join us. So we had hundreds of us out there on this uh, fire ground. And I remember it vividly. We had set, you believe it or not, we set the house on fire and we go in and put it out. Uh, but we don't set it on fire and until we're ready. So it's very, very structured and, and training. You know, there's people that are monitoring everything. But this one kind of got out of hand way too soon. Uh, it was on the top floor, the third or fourth floor. So we had a huge, huge stairwell we had to go up. And I was on the first in team and I was on the hose line. So we start the burn. And then they say, okay, crew, are you ready? And on this hose line is myself. I'm in the front. Uh, behind me is my buddy Scott Goff and uh, Lenny Sanders. So there you go. Name dropping you guys. Or they were on the back. I was on the nozzle. We tested the nozzle before you go in. This is something you always do. Well, we make our way up to the top floor. And I'm going to tell you, folks, when you fight a fire, when you go into a burning building, um, it is nothing like Chicago Fire or any of those other shows you see on TV. Close your eyes. Imagine how dark that is. Now imagine it darker. That is what fighting a fire is like. Now, if you get into a room and they always tell you to get get low and crawl out of the room. Well, in a burning structure, you could see what we call thermal layering. You could see where the smoke stops and the thermal layer, the, the better air, which is still not good, is at the bottom. And I could see this when I was coming up these stairs. I could see that thermal layer. And then once I got into the room and I could see, all I could see was orange. I'm here to tell you, I didn't see flames. I just saw orange and I knew the direction of the fire. And I went to turn on my hose line. There was nothing. There was absolutely nothing coming out. The hose was charged. There was nothing coming out. And I'll tell you what, when you're wearing air packs, you can't hardly hear anybody. So I turn around to my buddy Scott and I go, uh, no, I said, hey, Scott, there's no water. He said, what? No water. Oh, no. So I turn around and them two turkeys are gone. They're running down 
<laughs> running down the the stairs. So we let we take grab the hose, take it down, go down and get a new one, and then we attack the fire again, but with a hose with a nozzle that works. And I tell you what, we got that knocked down. It took probably about I don't know ten minutes, fifteen minutes, and and then everything you know kind of cleared out. And then you have to vent. You, those of you who are firefighters, you got to vent and clear it out. So we did that and we looked at each other going, what just happened? We walked outside and all of our helmets were yellow. So like, uh, I'm sure you've seen yellow helmets on firefighters. Well, when we got out there, <laughs> fire kind of got out of control. All of our helmets had a black soot on them. And, you know, we think how close do we were to getting maybe a flashover or super, you know superheated or but i'll tell you what after that first fire grabbing that hose going back in i wasn't scared i wasn't scared at all and it really started the love for me being a firefighter and to this day i cherish every moment that i got to answer the call to get on the rig to throw on the gear to i mean i loved helping children it, it just so that was a story of my first fire scary at at the moment <laughs> But in hindsight, you know, it was it was my calling at the time, and then it was wonderful. It was a wonderful 10 years for, uh, for that to happen. So my story of my first fire. All right, now I'm going to tell you a story. My legacy, for those who are listening who know <laughs> my time on the department, uh, this has to do with another structure fire. And this was a structure fire in a house out in the country or out in a rural setting, uh, about probably 20 minutes out from our station. And it was an, it was, I think it was like a Friday evening and several of our department personnel were, I think somewhere else training. So we were somewhat short staffed. Anyway, we had some help from our local career department to come out, but we got on scene and it was a structure fire. And again, my buddy, Scott Goff, who Scott, <laughs> You were there for both of these, man. We went to attack the house from the front side of the house, uh, and it looked like a porch. I'm here to tell you, you see screened-in porches, you know, you see front porches with uh, windows all the way around. Yeah, it just looked like a front porch or, or, or an extension of the house. And we went in, get ready, you know, get ready to attack. All right, we're going in. And then we kind of train on the rules of the right. So as you're going in, you want to feel the wall on the right and you want to use the hose line in your left kind of to check for anybody in there, check for any damage, you know, so on and so forth. Well, I went in and <laughs> I went in, we kind of had an idea the fire was in the basement. This was on the second floor and we go in, go in and go to the right. And the first time my knee hit the floor, the next thing I know, I was going ass over elbows <laughs> Uh, down into the basement and I'm going to let you all know I thought the floor collapsed <laughs> it I yeah, landed in a heap at the bottom of what I found out later was a stairwell that had been cut out in the floor and I don't know if anybody's ever had like a cellar door in your in your floor of like a, a kitchen or a bathroom or a, a porch where you go down into the cellar that's exactly what this was and it was so dark. There was so much smoke that as soon as we went in that front door and went to the right, you couldn't have seen it until later. And uh, I went down and my buddy Scott behind me is like, hey, Chris, where are you going, man? Where are you going? And I, <laughs> I might have said a few words going down, scared out of my life. And then uh, not only did I land, luckily I did not injure myself. Thank God for that Scott air pack kind of helped, helped my fall. I landed right next to the fire. <laughs> I could feel the fire 
the heat from the fire on me. And, you know, it was just, it was a matter of getting my bearings after I landed. And then uh, they shined a light down to me and, and I got back up and got back out. I got back on the hose line and we went back to work. But I'm here to tell you, <laughs> those few seconds, and, and this is every firefighter has this in their life. Those few seconds flew by. My buddies that were actually fighting the fire on the basement of Mike Dewald and Todd Van Scoy, a little name drop for you guys, uh, <laughs> could hear me screaming. <laughs> Which, uh, you know, later on we laughed about it because, hey, you know, I fell down the stairs. Come on, man. <laughs> That's what it amounts to. But I didn't see the stairs. And I'm going to tell you, uh, it did scare the life out of me, but I kept fighting. And, I, and that's what kind of passion that firefighting and your American firefighters have today. And I know that's 20 years, 20 some years ago. But if I were to talk to a local firefighter here, you were to talk to somebody there, we they will strive to do whatever it takes to get the job done. But they know what they're doing. That is my funny little story that uh, falling down the stairs, um, but the job got done. Nobody got hurt. Thank the Lord. You know, there were several other stories I could tell after 10 years. Probably I, I fought a fire in a uh, ethanol plant. I fought a fire in the school that I went to middle school in. Things that you would have never thought that you would have done as a child. This all goes back, believe it or not, to a television show that I watched as a child. Those of a certain age would understand uh, Emergency, which is a show that ran in the 70s. And I'll tell you what, that's what kind of gave me the bug. When I got old enough and got out of the military, I moved back to town and they said, hey, you have some, some experience with certain pieces of equipment from the military? I said, yeah. And they said, well, you want to come join the fire department? And one thing led to another. That was the 6th of May in 1996. So I've been around a minute. <laughs> and uh, to this day, I, I never regret that. I got to live my childhood dream of being a firefighter. And I'll tell you what, driving a fire truck at uh, uh, Lights and Siren, mm, that's pretty exciting too. I know this is going to be kind of a short and sweet episode, but I'd like to wrap it up. I think next episode, I'm going to kind of continue the firefighting theme. I'm going to talk about my top five. You know, I, I like to do movies and TV. We know that, guys. Uh, so I'm going to talk about my top five fire TV shows and movies. So the top five TV shows and movies that have to do with the fire department. Episode 11 here on Sea to Shining Sea. Again, thank you for listening and tuning in here. Tell your friends, tell your neighbors, reach out to me at ChrisCasey71 or Sea to Shining Sea 2019 at gmail.com. I hope you enjoyed this episode and have a great day and a better tomorrow. I'm Chris Casey and this is sea to shining sea.